Hello there. It's uh, me, Matt, again. Long time no see. Uh, it's been an interesting week and a half since I last recorded. Uh, I originally said I was going to do a follow-up episode after my first episode the next day. Uh, turns out I lost internet for the weekend, and yeah, that kind of set me back a few days. And I just decided to kind of rearrange things and do it a little differently. So today... I am coming to you with a uh, four-movie review episode, and it's four pretty big movies. Uh, We have Crawl, which opens today, uh, the day I'm recording, Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, Midsommar, and Annabelle Creations. Or Nope, that's the second Annabelle. Annabelle Comes Home is the the third one, the one that actually just came out. But uh, instead of doing the catch-up review podcast, which I was going to do, Uh, I'm going to save that for my next podcast, either it'll probably be tomorrow or later this week, uh, where I'm going to review kind of smaller indie movies. Yesterday is going to be the headline, that's a a bigger movie, but stuff like Beats, um, Escape Escape Plan 3, and I'm also going to talk about my favorite and least favorite films of the year so far to kind of catch you up to speed of what i thought of some of this year's biggest movies uh but that's for the future today we have crawl uh (laughs) the latest sam raimi produced uh horror film the director the former horror director he's made a lot of great films like evil dead most probably know him for directing the the original spider-man trilogy but he's transitioned into a pretty successful career as a horror producer. He has a great eye for, you know, directors and finding really interesting ideas to produce. Uh, Don't Breathe was a really huge hit back in 2016 that uh, he produced. Uh, but this latest film, directed by uh, Alejandro uh, Aja, who Alejandro Alexander Aja. I hope that's how it's pronounced. I really should have looked it up beforehand, but. If it's mispronounced, it'll just be funny every time I said it. Uh, He directed The Hills Have Eyes, uh, Piranha, Horns. He's a really fantastic uh, genre director. I think probably one of the best working right now. Uh, He's really showed uh, a diverse profile of films. Something like The Hills Have Eyes is very kind of dark and, you know, scary. But then at the same time, Piranha, his follow-up, or one of his follow-up movies... Is a very kind of silly, you know, 80s, uh, not 80s, but like throwback to those kind of dumb teenage, you know, movies like that. And it's a, it's a really fun movie for that. Uh, this latest feature, it, it's another really high concept idea. We have, um, let me find the character's name here, uh, Haley Keller. She's uh, a college student who swims for her college team. Uh, the movie opens and we see her lose a big race. You know, oh, what a shame. But uh, she, there's a hurricane coming to Florida, and her dad has been unreachable, and it's where, and he is where the hurricane is coming. So she gets nervous, uh, you know, as one would expect, and she goes to try to save her father during this Category Five storm. Uh, when the young woman gets there, uh, she finds way more she, than she bargained for when 
killer predator alligators are roaming in the waters as well as the hurricane continuing to build up so she is on a desperate mission to save uh her father dave played by barry pepper and the movie kind of follows her efforts to rescue him and their subsequent escape oh excuse me for the burp uh as you know it's a it's a genre picture i you know the story it's basically the setup for fun sequences of crocodile alligator i always think it's the crocodiles in this movie but it's alligators alligator action and this movie it, it delivers it's definitely what you would expect from the premise i think if you saw the trailers for this and you were like okay this is something i think i could have fun with then you'll probably have a good time with this uh but it did it, it's funny because i left the theater both feeling pretty satisfied with my experience and also a little let down because i think this also could have been better but uh to focus on the great good aspects of the film first uh alexander aja is really like i mentioned before a really great genre director and i think he really proves that here again i really love the gore factor of this movie like this movie doesn't pull any punches and i think all of his movies really haven't pulled any punches he really gives some memorable you know moments that'll make you just scream like oh shit like it's those kind of big audience reactions and movies like this really should have those moments so I'm, i'm glad he was able to deliver uh the movie is intentionally kept at a very you know like lifelike pace it's things are just constantly moving as the storm continues to get worse it kind of just all plays out in real time and i think that works to the benefit of this movie because as i'll address later with the script but the story is is just pretty you know simplistic it's kind of you know the formula that you've seen done before but Aja in this case is really smart to just keep the pace moving keep the action moving and that in turn keeps there from being any real dull moments of the movie so I I credit him for that I think another thing visually this movie looks really good obviously it's a, a lower budget movie but my worry going in is that potentially the kind of hurricane the murkiness of the storm along with alligators kind of hidden in the water that this movie could have just been a big murky looking mess but it's very cohesive visually it's easy to follow and it also just looks really good uh at the same time it looks really authentic like there was never a moment where something stood out as being like oh wow that looks really out of place it's really a smart contained kind of story and it and it works in that sense uh i credit the actors here for doing a, a pretty good job overall Kea Scolderio, uh, who plays Haley, she's solid, uh, and her and Barry Pepper, I think, share a, a pretty believable um, father-daughter dynamic. It it's it definitely has uh, it's definitely something you've seen before, where the father, oh, I've been a little distant, blah blah blah. But I think the movie's far enough to keep that stuff keep the melodrama under check until it really needs to enhance the drama or there's really a a big moment about to happen and i do credit the writers here the uh rasaman 
Rasmussen Brothers uh, for really keeping the action moving and also throwing kind of unique little wrenches along the way to kind of, uh, you know, excite and keep the audience on their toes uh, at the same time. Uh, but what, like I was saying, this movie definitely is conventional as far as genre movies go. It, it has a, a pretty generic story, like I mentioned. Uh, it, it just doesn't... I think that a big problem is a lot of great genre movies, they really make the characters or the dialogue or the style something really memorable and effective. And I, this movie, all three of those, the style, the characters, the story, while executed not not poorly are just none of them are executed to a, a really great level it's just all like really fine and you know that's a shame and i do think uh while this movie's pacing i think was very good very uh it, it moved at a very fran- frenetic uh tempo i i also think that the movie perhaps could have spent more time really just giving these characters some more personality to make the, the material really stand out even more because as i've mentioned several times the material is just not that great it's just kind of generic but it, it does get the job done for what this movie is and as a whole i enjoyed this film it's definitely not something great or something i think i'll remember in two months but it's a nice kind of palate cleanser to the summer movie season which also which often is known for having a lot of big and bombastic blockbusters uh so i i'd give this i think a i'm gonna go six out of ten so a, a light recommendation i think if you saw this as like a matinee on a hot summer day I, you'd have a fun time uh but yeah it definitely doesn't exceed its genres kind of formula and you know it is what it is for that sake and you know at the say honestly i've had this feeling coming out of a lot of movies uh this summer but i i just said to my friends like hey this is something i felt like i i probably could have watched on netflix which i mean isn't a bad thing because netflix is putting out a lot of uh, good content but also it just shows like i don't know kind of the changing mindset when it comes to kind of theatrical films but i give this a six i think if you did see it in the theater you'd have a good time and yeah uh our next movie is spider-man far from home this is definitely one of the biggest movies of the summer and definitely was one of the more uh intriguing movies of the summer as a direct follow-up to avengers endgame which obviously sparked a lot of conversation being the kind of climax uh for the marvel cinematic universe in a way or a generation of the marvel cinematic universe but uh yeah this film definitely there was a lot of intrigue and speculation around it uh personally i was really not looking forward to it uh the trailers kind of marketed this oh peter goes on vacation which it, it seems like a kind of a cheap you know sequel concept at least at least to me initially it seemed like oh great he's going on a trip how fun and i don't know the marketing for this just really didn't sell me and but which is why i'm really happy to say i had a, a great time with this movie but before i get into my thoughts on it i'll give a, a slight premise uh so this 
like I said, takes place after Endgame. Not to spoil Endgame uh, for the two people in the world who haven't seen it, but a certain major death uh, from Endgame has left a lot of different ramifications uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially hitting spider-man uh very closely so this film we kind of follow spider-man as he's trying to adjust in this new world and as i've mentioned uh he's going on a trip with his class they're going on a summer trip to europe and when he gets to europe all of a sudden he's needed as spider-man as you know these evil forces start attacking uh so the movie in a lot of ways follows the duality of him trying to manage his high school life trying to you know impress mary jane stuff like that along with being spider-man and uh a big new character to this film is mysterio played by jake gyllenhaal who comes to earth as a as a friendly force to kind of help team up against the bad guys but you know he's mysterio so how long is that gonna last for i'll let you decide but yeah this movie was a lot of fun like it it really did delivered where i didn't expect it to it providing a very light fun summer movie like i think the problem with the marvel cinematic universe in some aspects i'm definitely a fan of the mcu but not like i definitely have a lot of issues with that at the same time is a lot of their more recent movies have been too bogged down by story and fitting in all these characters and it, it just makes it a kind of bloated experience but this movie it, it doesn't set its story and character ambitions that high but it actually does achieve a decent amount uh i think tom holland everyone has raved about him as spider-man obviously and he's continue to do a good job with the part i think you know despite being like what 22 23 years old he really is believable as a high schooler uh he he's charming while still kind of having the the awkwardness that you would expect from peter parker but yeah he just really is a believable uh likable and character easy to empathize with and yeah yeah he's definitely I think Tobey Maguire is probably still my favorite Spider-Man, but he's definitely delivered one of the most comic accurate uh, representations of Spider-Man. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And I think this movie does a good job of capturing the the duality aspect of Spider-Man. That's something I think a lot of the Spider-Man movies, I think almost every Spider-Man movie tries to achieve is, you know, kind of we see Peter's high school life and his college life contrasting with you know his work as a superhero and kind of he's put in the middle decide needing to decide what's the most valuable but i think this movie especially having him on like a trip having this be come after end game it's you can really feel it just how tired he is as a character and like i just need a break and that i like that they did that with the character because it's a it's you know maybe not the best hero decision but it's a very like kind of relatable uh and authentic decision to make so i i I like that off the jump uh i think these movies really received a big boost i think this movie in general was a big boost up from uh what was the last spider-man this one's far from home the last one homecoming uh this one's a big boost up and i think director john watts who directed 
home uh, homecoming really really excels here uh, in upping the ante. The style of this movie is great. The action scenes are really have an awesome kind of one take uh, energy to them. We really follow the camera really follows the action with a lot of swiftness. With a lot of movement, and it's it's really fun to see all that. Almost every action scene in this movie, I think, had enough kind of a spark to it and originality to make it really fun and exciting. Because think about it, we've seen Spider-Man fighting on the big screen more than any hero, so it, this stuff could get kind of mundane after a while. But I think this movie did a great job of infusing the action with a lot more panache and a lot more uh, style and energy. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, big addition here as Mysterio, and I think he really delivers one of the MCU's better villains. J- Gyllenhaal in general is just, you know, he's one of my favorite actors working, I think, in the industry. And a big reason why is because every part he just brings 100% best uh, effort. Like, you know, a lot of people could see, oh, MCU villain, it's kind of a I don't know, a, ge- a generic role. But I think with Mysterio, there's a lot of interesting different aspects and layers to the character that make him a lot different than most MCU villains. First off, uh, it's kind of the deception angle that plays along with kind of the duality of Spider-Man's life. And I think, not to spoil what they do with Mysterio here, but the, the angle they take his character and the, the, how it has to continue to do with his deception and also the showmanship of the character i think was a really like kind of funny meta commentary on the kind of the blockbuster culture of needing to make bigger bombastic action and stuff like that and i thought the writers uh i don't know i thought that was a really funny inclusion and also you know very needed with this being kind of a lighter movie in the mcu universe it it felt thematically like a, a fitting idea to include and I, I think the writing in general here was just very sharp, not only at being authentic in portraying the high school characters and their dynamics, but also giving these thematic concepts a little more kind of depth and room to breathe. Uh, Chris McKenna and Eric Summers were the writers. I'm curious, did they? Yep, they did write uh, Homecoming. So Homecoming, to give my thoughts on it real quick, wasn't a movie I was a big fan of. And... For the sequel, they kept most of the core team together in the direction and writing. But it seems like this movie, they were really able to learn, not, maybe not learn from their mistakes, but just feel a lot more comfortable working within this material. It seems like they were really able to kind of interject their own ideas more uh, and, and kind of add more unique kind of quirks to make this more of a different Spider-Man. Uh, at the same token... This is a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. The story is very predictable, like as as you'd expect from any you know big mainstream superhero movie. And yeah, it it's it certainly executes its formula very well, but it can't. It also doesn't escape the feeling that's formula, and it also I think it it doesn't reach the the pantheon of great spider-man movies because it doesn't have that emotional punch spider-man 2 uh was really able to invest you in peter parker and his great moments of uh sacrifice and triumph the way that raimi was able to make those moments really pop i think made that movie 
one of the great superhero movies. And this movie just doesn't have that same kind of emotional impact or heart. And you know what? I'm fine with I'm fine with it not having that because you know what? For what it is, it's a really fun movie. And like the things I really didn't like about the movie aren't something that really stand out in my head as oh wow this was really bad but more as this is why the movie's not a 10 in my book but for what it is i give spider-man far from home a seven and a half out of ten definitely one of my highest ratings for an mcu movie i would probably put this in my top five uh among their work it, it really i had a great time with it and I'm glad that Marvel is seemingly getting more comfortable with letting their directors and writers kind of add their own ideas to the material here to give it a little more life, a little more spice. Uh, Black Panther is a great example of that. I think Black Panther in a lot of ways was like the trial run of that. Like, okay, Ryan Coogler, let's see what you can do. And the really great socially conscious ideas of the movie, um, I, I think really gave it a lot more body that most mcu movies just don't have they don't have that kind of element that gets you more engaged or makes you think about the real world uh in that way but moving on we're going to talk about midsummer ari aster's uh new latest flick uh for the mainstream audiences who might not know aster he's really one of the biggest uh names in indie filmmaking right now because his debut hereditary which came out last summer uh some have called it one of the best horror movies of the millennium some call it one of the best horror movies of all time i thought it was a good movie not great but it was one of those debuts that really made waves and for an indie director to get not one but two of his movies to open in mainstream audiences right off the gate and to get that kind of support from uh, A24 it is also, I think, really impressive and also just really awesome to see. It's it's great that even with only two films, Ari Aster's been able to kind of give himself, you know, carte blanche to do whatever he wants artistically while still have his movies kind of appeal to a wider mass audience. Uh, but this film, Midsummer. It follows a young couple who travels to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown and attend its Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly descends into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Uh, thank you, Letterboxd, for the vague description. That's a perfect way to describe this movie because you really don't get a sense of the characters or the different you know tones and events that happen but it gives you a kind of a general impression uh this film is yet another another in a genre what i like to call the art house horror film it's you know, it's horror movies, but made with a lot more of an artistic flair, usually a lot more of a thematic kind of a backbone to them. And honestly, it's it's a subgenre, you know, I don't know if it's a technical subgenre, but it's probably my favorite one. Uh, we've had movies in the past five years like Neon Demon from Nicholas Winding Refn that have just exceeded not only at being great horror movies but also these just great statements on 
you know, different things, uh, Neon Demon in particular about kind of, I don't know, our, our insecurities and our shallowness as kind of people. But Midsommar, I think, or Midsummer, I always called it Midsommar, uh, but it's really Midsummer. It's just because it's written as mid S-O-M-M-A-R. But Midsummer is really a great example of art house horror filmmaking. It's a film that delivers the kind of shocking, memorable moments that you would expect a horror film to have while also having more depth and, and being a lot more of an interesting movie uh, based on just the characters and kind of story alone. Uh, Aster, I, I want to give him credit off the top. This guy can really direct a fucking movie. He, his, the confidence that he works with in just how assured he is already just with only two features is really impressive. The way he can command a camera, uh, his subtle movements and really just evoke a, a great sense of fear and, uh, paranoia and tension. Like this movie is one of the few war movies that I think can really actually get its audience or at least me fully invested into, you know, building a palpable and real sense of danger uh and a real sense of i have no clue what the fuck's gonna happen next which is another really exciting thing to see in a horror movie uh he early on the movie i don't want to spoil anything but hits you with a really shocking impactful powerful moment but it does that because i think this movie in a lot of ways is really about confronting your grief and confronting kind of trauma and i think to start the movie like how it does and then to have things play out in the manner they do i think is a great way to uh execute that concept and i i i wish i could talk about it in less kind of vague terms but i i think this movie where hereditary i think thematically the ending in the whole third act i think really didn't help execute the kind of ideas the the movie had about uh our kind of generational uh i don't know the word for it but our our kind of the the things passed down to us you know the those kind of familiar bonds that we can't really control i think this movie from through and through has a lot more of a cohesive and focused kind of observation not only about grief but i also think about the fragility in our relationships and even the deepest you know connections can break just like that and stuff and i think those are really interesting ideas i think aster you know puts a lot of thought into how to you know make them work also in the horror sense and to make it work in ways that are really interesting and unique and i think he excels at that here the the horror aspects of this movie really work uh whether it's just just shocking audiences with imagery that is really just out there or just coming up with some of the most really twisted kind of concepts you could think of. The the third act in particular is just going to be a a series of holy fuck moments for audiences because it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. But like I talked about with Crawl, being able to up the ante and kind of stay ahead of the audience's expectations and take the audience in a place they don't expect, I think really gives this movie an extra layer of just general excitement. It's a, it's a really exciting movie just to watch 
unfold while it's also really kind of keeping you invested from a lot more of a thought level um the acting here we have florence i I've, oh, i i really should have looked up how to pronounce names this week because there's a lot of names that are throwing me off florence pug p-u-g-h is the spelling i hope that's right fantastic performance one of the best performances of the year so far she fucking commands the screen with an iron will uh it's it's a lot of people think performances where you have to be very emotional oh that's easy you can just you know cry whatever it's being very loud and over the top but here it's done in a way that's just very genuine and very real and just fucking heartbreaking and i i really credit her for doing a fantastic job she was in um fighting with my family which i actually reviewed on my first episode oddly enough but she i think with this film uh and that film has proven herself to be one of the best young actresses working in the industry and i think this film in particular is gonna land her a lot of recognition much deserved recognition uh jack rayner william jackson harper from good place i love love that show will polter they're really great in this movie because the thing I love about this movie too, which I haven't talked about that uh, yet, is Ari Aster uh, writes these characters with with such a, a keen and just generally realistic uh, eye. Uh, Jack Rayner and his friends are kind of these like bro type characters that uh, are really funny. Like they're they're really funny at times to kind of laugh both with and at for just how like kind of silly their actions are but the 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 inclusion of this humor element i i think is really kind of shocking along with the kind of shocking and perverse things that are happening on screen uh makes like again it makes for a really exciting and just enjoyable experience and it's it's a really you know interesting layer to add to this movie but i think those three actors uh, i'll do a great job at kind of performing their kind of bro type characters while also kind of adding more human notes so it doesn't like the, they don't come off as types they don't come off as generic kind of oh this is the the bro guy in the horror movie like they come off as real people and credit to them and Astor's writing for being able to really uh, execute that uh, things I didn't like about the movie again with movies i really like it's not going to be much probably my only complaint is this is a uh let me think two hour and 27 minute movie you probably could have shaved a good 20 minutes off it like 15 to 20 i think the movie and i i don't say that because i thought the movie was too long but i think i i say that because there's moments where the pace and just you know the actions on screen i think you the movie could have been a little tighter. It, it just could have had a little tightening here and there, and I think it would have made it uh, an even better experience, an even more potent and raw experience if you didn't take out kind of the filler and just stay with the, the just these fucking oof, big oomph moments that happen throughout the movie. But uh, I really love this movie. I think it executes a really risky idea with a lot of visual and uh, thematic confidence and i i think it's gonna go down as similar to hereditary it's gonna be go down as one of the more memorable movie horror movies of uh this millennium i think this is a horror movie i could actually get behind having that distinction though unlike hereditary which 
I kind of liked, but I also had a lot of problems with. But it's also great, I think, to see a director from his first film, especially a first film that receives such high recognition, to not kind of play it safe, but to continue to improve and continue to take interesting risks. So I give Astor a lot of credit for that, and I give Midsummer a... It's tough, either an eight and a half or a nine out of ten for me. But I think I'm gonna go with, I think I'm gonna go with nine. Honestly, I've I've been thinking about it for a couple of days, but I I do think this is one of the stronger movies of the year. So I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten, and that leads us to our last film of the week, uh, probably the biggest stinker of the week. <laughs> Sometimes you know you you say the last, save the best for last, but I think I save the worst for last, and that's. Annabelle Comes Home, uh, which I called Creations earlier. That just shows how forgettable this movie really is. Uh, This film, it's the third entry in the Annabelle trilogy, I guess. And it's also a spinoff to The Conjuring uh, storyline. We follow the Warrens, played by Vera Farmega and Patrick Wilson, who have come to pick up Annabelle and put her amongst their collection of demonic uh creepy artifacts uh so they they finally get annabelle in safekeeping you know problem solved right we wouldn't have a movie if that was the case uh her babysitter uh i forgot her name who the fuck remembers people's names uh mary ellen (laughs) that's my sister's name uh her babysitter is babysitting their daughter judy played by mckenna grace who's been in a lot of uh roles of late she was in last year's or 2017's gifted with chris evans which she was really good in uh she there she's being watched and then uh mary ellen's friend uh daniela comes over and of course someone had a fucking snoop in the warren shit because annabelle's loose and not only is she loose but other demonic forces in the house are loose so it's kind of a situation where the babysitter has to make sure all the everything's you know safe and okay before the parents come home. Uh, this movie could have been really fun and really awesome, and it's really not. And it it fucking ah, like it just made me really annoyed because a I've mostly not been a big fan of the Conjuring films. I think. The first one was all right, and I think some of the spinoffs, like The Nun, I think were fun. But most of them, to me, I think are not only very familiar, but also very kind of safe. They they never execute uh, past what you expect them to, and rarely are the scares ever that memorable. It's usually just kind of a series of jump scares or... Uh, maybe like one, you know, big spooky moment that the trailers will market to death. So you don't even care when it happens in the movie. But I, I just have found that the series has been getting kind of played out. And that's why going into this movie, I was excited for Annabelle Comes Home because we bring the Warrens back into the picture. Uh, the stars of The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, uh, both Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson have done a great job with these characters, making them a lot deeper than most horror characters. And just, you know, generally they're really strong actors with great chemistry together. So I was excited to see uh, an Annabelle movie where they're kind of taking center stage. But what really happens is they're in the movie for 20 minutes and then 
there at the end of the movie. So it's really a movie about this babysitter and the daughter trying to kind of save face with the house kind of falling apart and all these demonic forces uh, going loose. And it's really a movie that plays like for a lot younger of an audience. It almost plays for like a teenage audience and it's an R-rated movie. So I don't really understand why. I, I really don't understand why this movie was rated R in the first place uh, to start with because there's very little blood and language or anything gore. Like, there's not even something I could directly like point my finger on as like, oh, this is why this was R. Like, I there's not a single moment where I can really do that. So, not only is it kind of befuddling from that aspect, but it just makes for a lot more of a generic and like boring movie like this is the kind of stupid horror story we've seen done to death so many times and i i credit the director writer gary doberman for trying to add a deeper kind of emotional element behind why uh the babysitter's friend kind of goes into the house and explore she's not just some stupid person trying to you know stir up stir up the pot like they they give some they try to give some purpose to these characters and their actions but it, it's just so paper thin and uninteresting and there's no personality or humor to it so it's really bland to follow and gary doberman as i mentioned his name uh this is his also his directorial debut and i think as a director, he actually does a good job uh, stepping up to the plate here. The movie does have a few kind of fun, stylish camera movements. I really like one scene in particular where there's this kind of demonic wolf creature running after someone. We got that kind of POV shot of the the wolf chasing the kid. That, that was fun. You know, there, there was those moments every now and then where I was like, okay, that was a fun way to execute this. But I, I just think this story as a whole, it's... Not only is it too generic, but it also plays it way too safe. Like this concept of the the Warren's house of demonic artifacts being opened up. It's like you, you can just think of, oh my God, they could have come up with so much like kind of creative and interesting stuff to really throw out the screen here. And it really doesn't exceed like capture that potential. It, it, it really misses the boat on like living up to its premise like i was so excited to see this premise because i think it really was a chance for the conjuring franchise to do something that it hasn't done as much and really let loose and give this kind of outrageous kind of you know horror funhouse experience similar to what krampus was back in 2015 but it, it really doesn't achieve that it really tries to do the similar the same uh jump scare kind of setup that the other Conjuring movies are. We have oh, the characters walking around in a room for eight minutes. I wonder when when, when the door is going to creak. And then, oh, the monster jumps out a minute later. It's just, it feels so contrived and played out at this point. And it, it's even gotten to a point where audiences in the theater seeing these scenes are just laughing. There, It's like, because everyone knows what's going to happen. Everyone knows the door is going to creak and something's going to jump out. It's played out. And it's, I would just say that about this movie in general, and it's a shame to say that because I think this could have been one of the stronger Conjuring features, uh, at least in this universe. But as it is, it's just middling, I would say. It's not terrible. It's definitely better than La Llorona and some of the worst entries in the series. But it just doesn't do anything that 
we haven't seen done better before. So for that, I give Annabelle Comes Home a four and a half out of ten. But those that's my show for today. Those are the four films I wanted to talk about and review. But look out soon for a catch-up review show plus uh, looking back on 2019 so far. Uh, The rest of July for movies is interesting because we really don't have that much coming out. We have Lion King next week, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, obviously. But August will bring a lot of movies, and I'll also look for ways to kind of fill the movie gaps coming up with kind of different interesting content. Maybe some things that aren't quite movie-related, but we'll see. But uh, look for the next episode to come a lot sooner than this one did. Uh, Again, I'm sorry about the delay, uh, but... Thank you for listening yet again, and yeah, subscribe. You can find this anywhere from Google to Spotify to Anchor, uh, and you know, support, tweet, whatever you can. It's much appreciated. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.